seats. Try and find a hand. I, there didn't seem to be that many handouts in the pile of Jonty's printing, so you, I don't know if there's more in there or not, but if you can get your eyes on one, that would be helpful. Um, or grab one from another table if there's not enough on your table. Um, I also have a handout in front of me, so if I go massively off piece, um, please forgive me. If it just doesn't make any sense, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, let, me, let me pray for us in a moment. Um, we've been thinking about the heart, and we'll be um, digging a little bit more into that. Uh, but let me, let me pray for us first. Oh, Father, please uh, still our minds and gather our thoughts, and please make us uh, spiritually alive uh, by your Spirit and speak to us uh, this morning. Uh, do good to us, and, uh, and particularly do good to our thinking as we consider uh, once more our hearts. Uh, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we've been thinking about uh, the heart uh, the last uh, three uh, sessions, if you haven't been with us. Um, and basically, just, just the, up to this point, the, the, the idea has been just to try and get to understand our hearts a bit better. Um, so we examined how our hearts broadly have kind of three functions. Um, our hearts think as a, as a mind. Our hearts desire. Our hearts want stuff. Uh, and our hearts have a will. And they, they choose, we choose to do things. Um, whether right or wrong. And we've been thinking about how those three overlap and interplay and how they're united together. We've thought about how, how um, our hearts are fallen in sin, so our minds are darkened, our desires are sick, um, our, our wills are enslaved. And last week, how Christ redeems us. Um, how, how salvation isn't just removing our guilt, but, but cleansing our grime, giving us our minds that are enlightened, our desires that are renewed, our wills that are, are renewed as well. And this session, the next session, I just want to consider, um, again, Proverbs 4.23 and focus a little bit on, on the keeping. So um, Proverbs 4.23 has been our, our proverb of, of this series. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And I, I, want, to, I want to consider a bit more. Now we, we've tried to get a bit of a groundwork and how our hearts work. Start thinking a bit more what it, what it means to keep them and what is... What is the proverb calling us to. Um, I just want to start with this thought uh, on it. Um, keep your heart. Um, keep your heart of all keeping. It's a double keeping. Um, another way to translate it would be to guard your heart, to preserve your heart, and to maintain, maintain your heart. Um, there's two, two aspects which I think you could you largely divide your, your keeping into. I think they're down, down your sheets, but um, preserving and protecting. Uh, preserving and protecting. It's helpful to think of a, of a, of a gardener and a gardener keeping um, their garden. And so on the one hand, they, they preserve their garden. So they, they look into the garden and, and they maintain and they sustain uh, and they grow what is good in the garden. Uh, so the plants they like, the flowers they love. Uh, and they grow those, so they preserve those. They prune, they plant, they water. Uh, but they also, they also protect, don't they? So, so God is always protecting his garden. He's defending it from danger. He's looking outwards. You've got, you've got weeds springing up. He pulls those up. Um, pests. He's looking constantly to kill them. Um, he, he guards his garden from, from small animals. And children are running rampage if you've got small children. I'm sure, and you like gardening. I'm sure you know the difficulties of, of protecting it. Uh, he, he, guards, he guards his garden looking forward. He looks forward um, towards ahead of him. So if he's in summer, he's thinking, okay, next thing's going to be winter. Or in winter, next thing's going to be spring. And what do I need to do for my garden to prepare me uh, for that time, for, for bad weather when it comes? Um, I, I just think when, when we start considering our lives, those, those are just two really helpful categories. Look inwards, we preserve. 
and we look outwards per tax. Um, and just for five minutes, uh, I've got I mean, a couple of questions down there. Hopefully the same on your sheet as on my sheets, but there might not be. Uh, what do you think it looks like for a Christian to preserve the heart? What do you think it looks like for a Christian to protect the heart? There's two areas. And then what, what do you think is some of the fruit of doing that? So if we keep our hearts well, what will come from them? And what, what are the springs of life, as it says in Proverbs 23, that will, will spring forth? Um, five minutes uh, to ask about those, those questions. Good, let, let's draw that together. Um, I'm sure what we find is that the, the, the ways you can think about those, those three things are, are endless. Uh, and the parallels, particularly parallels to, to how you keep a garden, um, become very obvious very quickly. So you, so you preserve a garden, which means I'm looking within my heart, I'm taking seriously what I find there, just as a garden takes seriously every, every little um, weed growing up. Um, I, I think about how I'm thinking, um, what decisions I'm making, why do I do that, why do I want that, why do I behave uh, like that. I'm seeking to nurture the right desires and uproot the, the wrong ones and, and uh, so on. And the main work of preserving seems to be kind of examining my heart, seeing what it's like and how it responds to things, and then responding appropriately. I'm protecting, I'm looking outwards, so I'm considering where, where I'm going to be attacked in my heart and where temptation is likely to come, whether it be the next day or, or the next week or the next year, and how those, what's coming up for you will affect your heart, how your decision is going to, going to affect your heart, for instance. Um, of course, chiefly we're protecting our hearts from the world around us, and uh, the devil himself. And, and we'll think about more about that next week. Some of the fruits, um, it's just endless. It's, it's endless. I don't know what he talks about, but if, if, I'm, if I'm engaging in my heart, I'm better able to please God, for instance, in, in my duties uh, as I worship him. Um, I'm better able to stand firm when temptation comes to me out of the blue. Um, I'm actually, I, I suspect, I'm, I'm better able to find comfort and assurance in my Christian life if, I, if I'm seriously considering my heart. Or evangelism, um, so, I think we looked at it a while ago, but out, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, so, so Jesus says in the Gospels, um, it will change my evangelism if, if, my, if I'm considering how my heart is. That's where my speech comes from. Um, and on and on and on we can go. I'm sure you've talked about other things. I change my character. And fruits of the Spirit, for instance, begin to grow more freely within me. Um, this, the rest of the session, I want to focus a little bit more on, on the preserving what, what am I do, how do I go about looking into my heart uh, and seeing what's there? How do I go about maintaining, sustaining, and growing in grace before God? Next week, we'll think a bit more about kind of protecting my heart in the world uh, we live in. So last week, we saw that um, Christ, Christ gives me life in my heart. Um, so without him, my heart is dead, it's lifeless. Um, and as he ministers to me, and my heart is more and more given to him, as he uncovers the, the deceit in my mind as a prophet, as he purifies my desires as a priest, as he establishes my will in God's ways as a king. And as he does that, the, the springs of water within me uh, grow cleaner and cleaner. And so everything downstream of the spring um, gets fresher and clearer and more healthy. Um, so, so in preserving and maintaining and sustaining my heart, it's all about coming to Christ and seeking for him to give me increasing life uh, and he does. He points uh, ways and places in which uh, my heart can be sustained and strengthened. So just as a, as a bodybuilder uh, doesn't stay at home, he goes to the gym. 
in order to strengthen his muscles. Um, or if, if we're sick, we don't, we don't lie in bed. If we're really sick, we don't lie in bed sometimes, indeed. But if we're really sick, we don't lie in bed. We go to hospital and get ministered to. Um, it's a similar thing going on here with Christ. Um, my principal duty in preserving my heart is to take myself regularly to the places where Christ ministers to my heart, where I can spiritually exercise myself. Of course, they're not, they're not surprising. It's not, it's, I'm not giving you anything new this morning in some ways. Um, but, but word, prayer, and church are the kind of principal means that, that Christ ministers to me. Um, and particularly the, that last one, the, the public use of word and prayer, um, he blesses me through that. Um, none of these things will surprise you, obviously. Um, but it's helpful to realise that as we, as, we, as we do those things, as we read God's word, as we pray, as we go to church, it's meant to be heart work. Um, my heart is meant to be engaged. It's, it's to my heart that Christ is ministering. Uh, and and that will help bring them to life. Uh, and it actually gives those, those duties we have to read God's word, to pray, uh, to go to church, gives them more meaning and purpose. Um, and, and it means that all my heart work will be, will be increasingly shaped by, by scripture, soaked in prayer, and centred in gathered worship. Let's just go through those things and just see how, when we, when we consider this, this heart work we're doing, how it just helps us approach them a little bit better. So number one, a very diet of God's words. I'm so easy to fall into trap, isn't it? Um, Of I need to read God's word daily. Um, Tick it off, I'm done. I can move on. Um, We create reading plans for ourselves. We we read the Bible in a year. And in order to make sure we're we're quite ticking off every day. And those things are good. Um, I encourage you uh, to to do those things. Um, But as we go about them, we just can't be forgetting the heart. Um, Otherwise, they'll turn into dry duties. and actually, when we think that the heart is what matters when I'm, when I'm reading Scripture, I think it helps us understand better the way Scripture tells us to read Scripture. Um, so first thing, I hope, I hope this stick in the mind a little bit, but the first thing, um, it's not the destination that matters, but the journey. It's not the destination that matters, but the journey. So Psalm 1, verse 2, uh, probably a very familiar verse for most of us. Blessed is the man who walks not on the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he does what? He meditates on it day and night. Um, to meditate. It's a careful reading and observing and thinking about and applying what you read. Um, so it's the journey that matters, not the destination. Let me just try and illustrate that for you. Um, if you think, of the, think of the Bible as a valley. Uh, and the way you read it is, is, is you travelling through the valley... I'm getting to the end of the valley is not what's important. And sometimes when we read the scriptures, we act like we're in a car. We drive through the valley very, very quickly. Um, and as we drive, the scenery flits by. We notice some things that are remarkable. Um, but they're snapshots. We quickly forget them 10 minutes later. Uh, or we're often sitting there reading the scriptures and we're just daydreaming. And we're distracted. We miss stuff uh, altogether. Now, so don't, don't panic. It happens to all of us. And obviously, Christ is the one giving us life. But we also want us to, to engage our hearts in what we're doing. So instead of driving through the valley, I mean, meditation is just a bit more like walking uh, through the valley. And, and the difference, if you've ever done those two things to the same place, um, the difference is, is, is very noticeable, isn't it? Um, you, you suddenly notice things you never would have noticed when you're driving. Or you appreciate things way more. Or, 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 or things that you see, just because you're looking at them longer, uh, stick in your mind. The details come out. Uh, the, the hidden 
rivers and the lovely meadows you just would have driven past and, and barely glanced at from the car and you notice when you're walking. As so I suspect, I preach it to myself as much as to you guys, um, most of us just need to do a bit more walking and less driving. Um, I, and I hope that's not, that's not a bit, I hope that's, that brings a bit of relief when it comes to reading the scriptures. If, if we make it about a destination, um, then our main concern is to get there and to get through the, the Bible reading plan or, or the Bible in a year. And then we get really frustrated if we don't. We get frustrated if our devotions are interrupted, particularly for parents who've got small children, that kind of thing. And if we can't get to the end of our journey. Um, but if, it, if it's about the journey instead, then we can find nourishment and encouragement, even if we don't get through very much of the Bible, even if we're sitting, sitting down for 10 minutes or, or whatever it might be. Um, and it's going to help us want to come back to it. If, if, we're, if, we're, if we're walking slowly, the stuff we notice will, will imprint itself more into our hearts and actually we'll want to revisit it, just as you do if you've gone for a really lovely walk and you want to go back to that place. But if you drive past, it's quickly forgotten. That's the first thing, just encouragement. Um, it's the destination, not the destination that matters, but the journey. And then another way the Bible speaks about how we should use the Bible, I get the Bible out of your hands into your heart. I get the Bible out of your hands into your heart. So Psalm 119, 119, sorry, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word. I.e., when, I, when I'm not, I haven't got the word in my hands, I've still got it in my heart. Um, I, I broadly would be a picture of memorization. And the focus of that, the point of that, is that I might not sin against you. Um, why, why is that important? It's because most of us spend most of the time without the Bibles in our hands. We're not reading the scriptures. Um, we read the scriptures for, for maybe, um, if we've got more free time than others, maybe half an hour a day um, for most of us. Um, and so it's crucial, actually, we're thinking, I need to get it out of my hands into my heart. Um, and that helps us in all sorts of ways if we start doing that. Uh, I'm, talk- I'm talking mostly about kind of memorising some of the things we read. It helps us with meditation. So I'm mainly meditating on God's word and examining it. Actually, if I slow down and, and memorise it, um, I- I'm noticing every little word and that's in it. Um, and actually, it means I can also meditate on it and think about it when, I'm, when the Bible's not in my hands, um, when I'm doing just my, my general day-to-day routine. Um, it helps with temptation. Store it up so I might not sin against you. I, I have the scriptures I need in me um, when temptation comes. On and on you can go. And actually, it's important to remember, we kind of think memorization is, I don't know, because it's in, in the mind, it's therefore nothing to do with the heart. But the, the whole point of what we've been doing a little bit is, is to start thinking, actually, our minds are part of our hearts. So when our minds are active, our hearts are active. So if I'm memorizing, it actually is doing something to my, to my heart as my, as, my, as my mind's enlightened. It's part of my heart. So my heart is, is growing in grace. And of course, very diet of God's word will be in church as well. I'll come to that very briefly at the end. And prayer. Um, exhortation to pray in the scriptures is everywhere. Um, and it's, it's good to remember that God tells us to pray for our own good. So he, he doesn't need us to pray. He doesn't require us to pray before he, he does something. Rather, it's in, in prayer that, that my heart is shaped rightly as I grow in all the sorts of ways I'm meant to be growing in, in dependency and in reverence and in fighting my sin and so forth. And actually, if, if we start engaging in heart work, 
what, what I hope you, you, you discover is, if, if, when I start actually really considering what I'm like in light of God's word, my natural response to that will be to pray. I want to pray, because partly because when I look in, I find by my heart it's, it's deep waters, as we saw earlier in earlier sessions. Um, it's complex. Uh, I'm full of corruption. And I, I only really start realising that when I, when I look at God's words and consider my heart and allow it to dress it. And, and that makes me feel helpless. And that drives me to God in prayer. Um, actually, prayer is not, hopefully not so much of a burden if we're doing hard work, but actually a, a natural response. Um, what in particular will be good for my heart in prayer? Well, as ever, I turn to someone else's wisdom. Um, Sinclair Ferguson says, I must give myself, if I'm going to keep my heart, I must give myself uh, to prayer in which my heart holds on to the promises of God, rests in his will, and asks for his sustaining grace. Um, lots to unpack in those, that, that small sentence, but I look, I look to his promises um, for me, um, that he will, for instance, create in me a, a new heart, that Christ is at work in me, changing me. Uh, and basically, in prayer, I asked him to be faithful to that. I've looked inside and I found it a mess. You said you're giving me a new heart. I'm holding on to that. I rest in his will. Um, prayer is meant to bring us rest in heart work, not just make us kind of exercise our hearts more, but bring us rest. That although I may feel terrible about how my heart is, I believe in a sovereign God, I believe in a God who's at work in me, and that he has me where he wants me, and is doing everything for my good. The rest of his world, ask for sustaining grace, ask for what I need, and to go about changing my desires, understanding myself better. Um, we're saying the Psalms are rich in this. Um, the Psalms are rich in heart language, rich in, in, in expressions of strong desire for God, rich in expressions of hatred against sin, um, in heartfelt repentance, in pleading for help. Um, those are all things the Psalms help teach us to pray. So if you like, I don't really know what that looks like. How do I, how do I ask God for help? My, well, go to the Psalms. They show you. Um, think, of that, think of that last verse in um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Um, in some ways, it's not a verse, not a better song verse for considering our hearts and prayer than that verse there. Let me just read it for you. Uh, it's a prayer of someone who's looking at their heart. So it goes, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Constrained to be. I am totally reliant on you. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, like a bond, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's a recognition of utter dependence upon God. A recognition of how our hearts just, just turn to sin. We wander away from God all the time, and a plea for Him to, to keep our hearts um, ultimately. And then finally, just five minutes, um, public grace. Public grace. Um, I just want a little bit, particularly from my own upbringing, whether we, we overplay the personal, so that's what we've been primarily doing so far, just thinking about how our own devotions, but overplay the personal, underplay the public in terms of what Christ is doing in us. Both are important. Both are important. But actually, I think we don't have time to... You can do kind of a whole Sunday series on, on kind of the means of grace in, in, in worship on its own. But I think predominantly, you see, um, God's blessing comes to us, often in, in public, and when, the, when the, the church gathers as a body uh, to worship. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't come in private as well, um, but the, the, the promises are often more explicitly public, in public places. Um, 
There's a sense in which when a church assembles to worship him, and to worship God, and the Spirit is especially at work. Um, and even you can say, even his reason for assembling the church is to bless them spiritually. Um, right, right back, um, we've been doing Exodus, haven't we? And Ten Commandments. That, that, was the, like, that was the first gathering of the church, the first assembly of the church. And, and the point was, as you have been seeing, is, is for God to bless them. Uh, and that, that remains true for us to do. Um, there, there are peculiar, blessing, peculiar blessings that come to us in and through the gathering of the church. Um, so obviously, um, we don't have time to look up all the verses. Well, no, let's, let's look. We don't have time actually. Um, let's just turn to Ephesians four. I think that's where we see one of the elements most clearly: um, the kind of preaching and teaching um, given to bless us. Okay, so pick up from verse 11. Let me read five or so verses from there. Um, it's talk, to Christ, so just before this, Christ is, is giving gifts uh, to the church. Um, and in verse 11, we see the gifts he's given, what he gives. So verse 11, and Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working, working, working properly, uh, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, in love. From whom, sorry, the whole body. That first thing seems helpful, isn't it? To start there. It's Christ who grows the body um, up into him. Um, and we see lots of hard things going on. And we see that, kind of, that fruit of standing firm against temptation or heresy or, or even our own deceitfulness um, in, in verse 14 we've got maturity um, uh, we've got unity we've got, we've got the church coming together more and more um, bonded together in love um, and Christ is primarily the person doing that for us changing and, and crafting us um, but how does he do it well verse 11 he does it through these, these five different people we won't go into them too much apart from noticing that they're all people who preach and teach they're all people who have the word of God on their lips and for God's people i.e. Um, it's through the preaching and teaching of particular men in the church um, that our hearts are shaped rightly as Christians um, that, that Christ is at work in us so that's one place you could, you could turn to to show that, that it's in, in the kind of public sphere of the church that Christ is doing his, his deep heart work um, and actually in there we also see um, verse 15, it's not just kind of from the front, although that's the primary way, there's a, there's a sense in which the whole church together, speaking the truth and love, verse 15, it's the, the, the fellowship of believers as we, as we minister to one another is also significant in terms of helping each other grow in grace. Christ ministers to each other through one another, um, not just up front, if that makes sense. 
um, although that, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the pinnacle on the top. Um, we're, we're in terms of other passages, but um, Colossians speaks of, of the word of God dwelling in us. Um, how does it dwell in us? Well, it's through preaching and teaching and admonishing each other. Um, and it's through um, and singing as well. The word of Christ dwells in us as we, as we sing psalms and spiritual songs. So, so you think about getting the, getting the word stored up out of our, out of our hands into our, into our hearts. Singing does that for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 as well. Our, our hearts don't just have ears, as we'll think about next week. We also have eyes. Um, grace comes to us out of, of things we see, principally baptism. And 1 Corinthians 10, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Christ ministers to us his grace to our hearts, giving us life um, in the Lord's Supper. He does good to us. Um, and so just as we, as, we, as we think about public worship in our, in our heads, as we come together... Um, I certainly fall into this all the time. I, I kind of think of it principally as a kind of fueling station. I, I come here and I'm spiritually uplifted. That's, this is true. Um, it's, not, it's not saying that's not true. And I, I'm kind of, I kind of set in the right way for the week ahead. My sins are forgiven. And I look forward, I with grace in my heart, to, to go forth and live God's ways. But that, that, that makes kind of the, the public worship a means to do that. Um, and it does do that. Um, but... I, it's helpful as well to think of, of when we gather to worship as, as a public operation, a heart operation, sorry. Um, think, of, think of a car, that's why I use the fueling station word. Um, a car, car needs to go to a fueling station. Actually, obviously, it's a lot, the parallels aren't as that. Fueling stations are a lot better in real life. Public worship is good. Um, fueling stations, petrol stations aren't that exciting. But it goes there in order to get out, um, get out, get out on the road. Um, but there's a sense in which if you like, worship is, is, this, is the centre of what my heart is doing. It's the place where it's most active. Um, it's the place where, where I'm most changed. And in that sense, it's also the centre of where, where I'm most alive as a person, where I, where I come before God uh, to worship him. Um, okay. So, so you want to put the, the, the focus... So if you think of it just as a fueling station, the focus is, is away from the station, kind of in, in the rest of the, oh, you were travelling. But if you think of it more as a heart operation, then, then the focus is more in that place. Um, that is where I want to be. Um, the last, last, five, last five or so minutes, I've just... I've said an awful lot. Um, just, just discuss basically what I've been talking about. That's what the questions are doing. How has this encouraged you in your approach to your devotions. Hopefully it has encouraged you um, in, in your devotions. Um, so principally your, your own private reading of God's word and prayer. Um, and how might this help when we think about public worship? When I, when I, particularly when I feel like Sunday is a hard work. Um, getting along to church is hard work. Or, or when I go away from church, I think that just doesn't, doesn't feel very spiritually uplifting. Um, how does what I've been talking about help? If it doesn't, then I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Uh, Lord God, thank you that you are um, out to do us uh, good uh, spiritually. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are uh, the redeemer of our hearts and that you are working us even when we um, are failing to keep our own hearts, Lord. Um, but pray you would be um, helping us to be more uh, conscience, conscious of um, how we think, feel, what we choose to do, uh, increasingly um, bring it in line 
and to your uh, will, uh, we ask. Pray you'd be doing that in us um, this morning, um, through your word, uh, through your service, be ministering to us, we pray, and changing our hearts. In his name we pray. Amen.